Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There is a passage in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. I want you to find that passage and stand. We'll be reading this passage from the King James Version, beginning at verse 21. It reads, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. Amen. I want to share from this text today the thought experiencing rest in the ruins. The word ruin are ruins. It's not a pretty word. It's not a pleasant word. It's not a positive word. Uh, it is a word that communicates disaster, catastrophe, calamity, tragedy, and misfortune. It's a word that communicates intense hardship and failure. On the other hand, the word rest is alluring. It's inviting. It's comforting. It's consoling. It's encouraging. It's peaceful. Here we have a text permeated by both ruin and rest. They collide and they converge around a tragedy of epic proportions. We would love it if life was a perpetual festival. Always love, fun, food, and fellowship. But this text is a reminder that we live in a fallen world. And we are a fallen people. We don't have to look far for ruin. Somebody might be standing in a place of ruin right now. I'm not talking about a city that has been devastated, its walls collapsed, there's financial ruin, there's family ruin, there's marital ruin, emotional ruin. You don't have to look far to find ruin. No life, no, no individual is safe from it. No family is exempt from it. No church is insulated from it. It's the 6th century B.C. 
and the clock has struck midnight. And Jeremiah is overrun and overwhelmed by ruin. He's exiled from his homeland. And he's trying the best he can to sing the Lord's song in a strange land. But it's difficult. He recalls, if you read the text in its larger context, he recalls the colossal and catastrophic demise of a nation that was destined by God for greatness, for greatness. Perhaps he was feeling some sense of personal failure, some sense of personal ruin because this failure, this collapse took place on his watch. He had had periods of disappointment and disillusionment before one time he tendered his resignation to God when he tried to walk off the job. But when he tried to, it was like fire. Something on the inside. It was like fire shut up in his bone. In his prophecy, he thought perhaps of the plight of his people. And he said, oh, I wish... My head were waters and my eyes were a fountain of tears that I might weep for the slain of my people. So here he laments the plight of the people. The words in the text flows from a vortex of national and spiritual disaster. But what I want you all to see is what starts with ruin. What starts with ruin ends with rest. Ruin is not the last word in this text because Jeremiah finds rest in his faith in the faithfulness of God. And so he experienced rest in the midst of ruins. Whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you may be having, Jeremiah helps us, clues us in to how we can experience rest. In the midst of ruin, when, when everything that's important to you, when everything that matters to you is crumbling on the outside, you can still have rest in the midst of your ruin. Three things I want to say. Number one is the focus of the rest. The focus of the rest. Israel's covenant relationship to God is in view in this text. But what we have to understand is that they have been crippled by their addictive attachment, their chronic complicity, and their infectious infatuation with idolatry. The history of Israel is a long and sordid history. In the Old Testament of turning their backs on God. What begins with Solomon in the southern kingdom and Jeroboam in the northern kingdom, we see in the Old Testament one king after another failing the acid test of faithfulness to God. Somehow they develop amnesia 
around that part of the Ten Commandments that says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So now in this text, the southern kingdom of Judah, some 125 years after the destruction of the northern kingdom, finds calamity, catastrophe, and ruin visiting their doorsteps. See, the focus of the rest here, I want you to understand it because I want us to make sure we have the application is that Jeremiah is affirming rest and appropriating rest in the context of Israel's covenant relationship with God. Abraham and his descendants were chosen for distinction to be a blessing to all nations. They were to be a nation of kings and a nation of priests. And I'm telling you today, where much is given, much is required. It doesn't get us off the hook because this is Old Testament. We have the same principle in the New Testament. When Peter writes, you are a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. You are, there ought to be something about us that makes us stand out. We are peculiar people. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are his covenant children, and therefore, as the writer of Hebrews said, we can enter into his rest because there remains a rest. Uh, the Hebrew word for rest is the word for Sabbath. There remains a Sabbath for the children of God. It's this rest that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 11. Somebody need to hear it today. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will take some of us some time to get to that eye piece. Because we're looking for it in other places. But he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Can't nobody do it. Like he can take my yoke upon you and lie to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, one of the most remarkable passages in the um, New Testament, in fact, in the Bible, I love this passage. Woman who has suffered for 12 years, she spent everything she had trying to get well. Then she heard rest was coming through town. She heard Jesus was coming through town and she said, if I can just get close enough, but if I can get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, oh, she gives new meaning sisters to filling the fabric. She said, if I can get close enough to touch the hem of his garment, my blood issue will dry up. When we meet this woman in the text, she's shrouded in anonymity. We don't get a name, an address, a social security number. But the Bible says when Jesus touched her and she knew something had happened inside of her, Jesus looked at her and said, daughter. She's no more anonymous woman. She, she's no more just a part of the population. She's now a member of the family. He says, daughter, that's who he's calling into his family today, his sons and daughters. He says, daughter, your faith have made you whole. You have all the rights and the 
privileges and responsibilities of any family member. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Are you sure today? Are you sure today that you're a member of God's family? Are you a citizen of that heavenly nation? If you died today, and there's no guarantee, if you died today, are you sure your anchor holes and grips that solid rock, which is Jesus Christ? There's a whole lot of things I don't know, but I know I've been saved. As a pastor, you want to know it for a whole lot of folk, but I can't know it for nobody but me. The focus of this rest is the covenant relationship. These words of Jeremiah are not tenable. They're not consistent. They're not valid outside of a covenant context. But then there's the fact of the rest. The fact of the rest. Not just the focus, but the fact of the rest. Jeremiah documents the certainties, the truths, the sureties, the validations of the rest. Jeremiah, the fact of the rest is he assented to the compelling constant. Jesus Christ is the same. No matter what ruin you stand in, Jesus Christ don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this passage we read this morning. He says, God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They are created every morning new. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. That's what Jeremiah said. He said, listen, I'm sticking with God. He's all I got left. He has a commonality here to Isaiah, who found himself disillusioned and depressed in the year that King Uzziah died. But, but see, God had to strip away the Uzziah out of his life because it was in that year that King Uzziah died that he said, I also. Somehow you get the sense that Uzziah had blocked his sight. Somehow you get the sense that his confidence in this uh, prelate had blocked his sight. He says, in the year the king Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord high and lifted up. Sometimes the ruins of our lives remove the Uzziahs so we can get to the rest that only God can give us. The fact of God's faithfulness is only a debate for those who don't know him. Those of us who know him, it's no debate. I am in full assent, full agreement to the psalmist who said, for the Lord, he is God. Psalm 100. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is, for the Lord is what? Good. His mercy is what? Everlasting and his truth. The word translated compassions is the Hebrew word for womb. It's used figuratively in the Old Testament 
to communicate a mother's relationship with her newborn. Mother's love is enduring. His compassions fail not. You know, I love westerns. I really do. I love those old series, Larry May Have Gun, which travel, wagon train. Some of my young people say, what are you talking about? You know, Walter Brennan played many roles in movies. He played the villainous Ike Clinton in the My Darling Clementine. I really liked Walter Brennan. Tough guy role, mentor role in the guns of Will Sonnet. He's leading his grandson, Jeff, around, and he's looking for his son, Jim, who he always, every episode, seemed like they're going to get Jim, but they miss him. Brennan is very self-assured in this role, and he demonstrates it with this often repeated phrase. If you ever seen Guns of Will Sonnet, he says, no brag, just fact. No brag, just fact. He's an hombre that nobody want to mess with, even though he's an old dude. <laughs> Brennan doesn't want a fight, but he ain't going to run from one. And many times in the series, a would-be adversary will hear him say, no brag, just fact. That's what Jeremiah was doing. He wasn't bragging. He was swagging. See, that's the difference between bragging and swagging. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want no brag, just what? Just fact. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? No brag. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up on wings as eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not be tired. No brag, just. In a time of trouble, he'll hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle. He'll set me on a rock. No brag, just. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not at your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct you. No brag. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. No brag, just. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. No brag, just. He died on Friday, but early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hand. No brag, just. Jeremiah, he's not bragging. He's swagging. By your mercies, I'm not consumed. Your compassions fail not. Every morning, they are new. No brag. Just fact. The focus of the rest. The fact of the rest. But the face of the rest. Our text ends. 
example, Jeremiah saying, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, this is verse 24, will I hope in him. His rest is not based on the peripheral, the nebulous, the propositional, the conjectural, abstract. It's based on a personal relationship. He said, the Lord, and when he used that word, he uses the, the most sacred name for God in the Old Testament. You know it because in the King James, it's all caps. Name so sacred that Jews wouldn't even pronounce it. It is the name for the self-existent one. It is a name for the self-sustaining one. He said, the Lord is my portion. I will hope in him. There's no rest for you in the ruins of life until your life is reduced to this lowest denominator by which every situation can be divided by. Lord is my portion and I will hope in him. Lord is my portion, and I will hope in him. Jeremiah would have been all right with the hymn, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less Than Jesus' Blood and Righteousness. Dare not trust in the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.